I would discourage people from standing up and speaking publicly in South Africa. And this is a big tragedy in our country, suddenly, because it's, it's, it's irresponsible for me to say, go, go and stand up publicly when I know that person's going to face harm, yeah, right? Yeah. So, so for me, this idea of the era of the brave, sadly, it's got to start top down, right? I think we need a president who's brave. And what I mean by brave, what I mean by courage is to face, to face danger, um, but still act for, for doing what is right, still act to do what was for the border good. This is Soli and welcome again to Worldview, the number one media company. This is where we explore everyone's perspectives on things that can broaden our own worldview. Today, we have an amazing man. <laughs> I think he's hiding. Are you still in hiding? I'm not in hiding. I'm just not in <laughs> South Africa. There you go. I'm not in South Africa either. Anyway, Arthur Williams, most of you, those of you who followed events in South Africa in, in the past uh, two, three years, you know he's played a fairly visible role as a whistleblower. That's the official title. I need to have a conversation about that. And uh, of course, he's a he's a he's a reason he's a social activist, academic, uh, business consultant. Uh, he wears all these hats, and he started an NGO called Retrise a number of years ago. He's written eighteen books, including the one that I would like to talk to to you about. I'll make reference to it. This whole discussion is not about the book, but it's a, it's a very important a deep collusion because this is what is what remains in the heads of many South Africans and South African watchers and probably even Bain and company. <laughs> so uh, we're going to have this conversation. There's so much to talk about uh, with Arthur, but let's see how we, we get this done. Welcome, welcome again, Arthur. Very nice to see you. Thank you, Sally. Good to see you again. So uh, let's, 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 I don't know where to start. You know, I must tell you that I wasn't aware of uh, Maria Konnikova's book on mm. uh, what is it called again? Uh, the Confidence of what is it? the Confidence Game. I, yes. I like that book because I have been through that. Okay, and as I was reading, as I was going through your book, I feel that you have held on more than more than you should have. I don't know if it was deliberate, if it was your stubbornness. You held on to Bain even when these people didn't trust you. I mean. At what point did you realize that these people didn't trust you? That's such an interesting point. Um, sorry. Okay, let me put it, let me, at what point did they not trust you anymore? Because they did in the past, of course. Yes, yes. Many yeah. yeah. I mean, I, th th that book was important for me as well, the book about being subject to a con. Because what's powerful, what she says in that book, is that being subject to a con has got nothing to do with education or intelligence. It's, yeah. it's purely about the circumstance you find yourself in and people manipulating your beliefs in things. Mm -hmm. and, and, and Bain understood that I was fully committed to justice in South Africa, to, to corporate ethical behavior. That's what I, I, I was committed to. And right. so all of their language was about, Ethel, come and do the right thing. Come into Bain at the time of this corruption crisis and help us do the right thing because we want to have an ethical business, um, et cetera. Right. And so I was primed for the con because um, um, they, could, they could couch everything then in those terms. Mm. Even as I, even after I, I left Bain um, under this cloud of, of blowing the whistle, all of the communications kept still trying to say, Ethel, but isn't this the ethical thing to do, right? right. This, your, your question about when, when they stopped trusting me, um, I mean, I, sorry, it depends on what, why we think Bain got me in in the first place. And I think there are two, there are two possibilities, right? The, the one is they really did trust me. They really did want me to come and do the right thing there. And then, and then things were actually worse than they thought, right? Mm -hmm. As this investigation was going on, they discovered actually things are worse than they thought. Having an honest guy with integrity like Athel around is not a good thing. That's the one theory. Um, the second theory is it was always a cover-up. They never trusted me. They didn't really think I would do the right thing. They didn't care whether I did the right thing or not. It was a cover-up, and I was the perfect cover. They thought you were naive? Well, they thought I was naive. Aren't we all naive if we've been conned, right? right? 
So the scamster who scams an old lady out of her earnings or savings, yeah. she is naive when you're subject to the con. Yeah. So absolutely, I was naive with, with, with hindsight now, right? I look at that and say, you know, I should have left after day one, right? Right, right. Because, because the absurdity of my situation was I was first involved as a contractor, then went back and joined them as an employee. Right. Um, and right. so absolutely, people could say, come on, dude, right? Um, you should have known better. But as a consultant, you'd normally be more independent because if you have one foot inside, another one outside. But as an employee, then you become subjected to to to, to uh, instructions from the bosses. So it, doesn't it waken you up a little bit when you become a full employee, especially in a, in that environment? Yeah, I mean, I I agonized over that uh, decision of whether to remain an advisor to Bain um, or to become an employee at Bain. And I think it's important, Solly, to distinguish between the two, the two roles I was playing and what I was trying to achieve. Mm-hmm. When I played advisor to Bain, it was around them making public disclosure, particularly with the Nugent Commission. Right. Um, so, so my focus there was, let's get the truth out and make sure the truth is known publicly. Mm-hmm. As part of that exercise and soon thereafter, I designed a plan that said to Bain, if you want to do the right thing in South Africa, mm-hmm. this is what I think you should do. Right. They then said to me, Athol, okay, we've done the we've done the disclosure things, which Athol, you disagree with. You think we haven't made full disclosure, mm-hmm. but we like your plan. Come and help us implement your plan for the good right. of South Africa. And that then I thought, okay, now it's now it made sense for me to actually be on the inside because I could drive the implementation of that plan. Mm-hmm. And so that's what drove my decision to rejoin as a partner. But that plan would really just be a plaster. I mean, they had lied to you. First of all, there's, there's a crucial report that they didn't want you to see. And in that crucial report was information that would enable you to 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 know what you were doing, you know, to, to be informed. Otherwise, they were allowing you to walk blindfolded. You know, surely you can't come up with a remedial uh, action if you first don't acknowledge the truth for what it is and if you keep hiding the truth from this person who's trying to 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 heal you you're basically saying yeah yeah just make the world look i like the idea of you know you maybe just go and you know build a crash over there or paint the school <laughs> that you said in your book but that's what they were trying to do that's what that's what they were hoping you would focus on well absolutely so that's why i resigned after three months mm-hmm. right i didn't wait five years or ten years to to rack up many millions which, right. which I could have done, right? I mean, I they gave me to 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 give some perspective on on the scale of 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 the cover up. I mean, they gave me a guaranteed package, right? Guaranteed salary, not linked to my performance. Right. Um, right. That would that would dwarf, you know, embarrassingly what what the bulk of South Africans earn and what I'd ever earned. That's what I had in the bag already, and right. so it was not that I was naive and and going after the money. Mm-hmm. It was again this constant trade-off, Sully, of saying, I've got a unique opportunity to be inside an organization which was so central to the planning of state capture. Right. I can keep being an outside agitator, which will have some value, mm-hmm. or I can be on the inside. And from the inside, I can then begin to try and make it make yeah. a difference, right? And we always have this difficulty of where we're more, more effective on the inside or on the outside. Yeah. Now the benefit of me being on the inside, Sully, is that I got access to all the information and evidence right. that I eventually subject, um, submitted to the Zonda Commission. Mm-hmm. So that was one benefit. The second benefit was I then, on the inside, got to ask all the tough questions we now ask of Bain. Right. And I've got those emails and those conversations now as record of their, their clear cover-up. Yeah, it makes sense. Look, Ed, when did you read the Konikova book? Was it... Was it before you joined Bain or before the whole Niger Commission in, or after or was it during that period? No, it was all after. It's when I wrote the book. Um, it's, it's, you know, the, the book, the, the intent of Deep Collusion was basically to take my, my Zondo affidavit, which was 700 pages, right. and put it into something that was readable to a broader audience. That was my objective. It was okay. for public interest. But at the same time, Sully, it was a process of, of self-reflection, right? Because, you know, I, I like this question of, you know, why do good people do bad things? Right. Because, because I think sometimes people do bad things not because they're bad people, but there are circumstances around them. And so I was very aware that even though I went into Bain with all the right intent, 
I, and I made it public, right? I wrote articles about why I'm going to Bain. I made it very public. Yeah. You could still argue that Ethel, but no, but you were inside this company with right. key planners of state capture. Aren't you complicit? And so yeah. I sort of stopped myself and said, okay, how did this happen? Yeah. Um, and that's when I, I turned to that book, which actually helped me understand some of how I'd been manipulated. I would have wanted to re to read that book a few years ago because I was scammed. To, I mean, this this is not a discussion about myself, but just to share, yeah. uh, I was scammed. It was a journey that lasted for three months. They took money from me. They got with all the confidence, and there was a court case. Fortunately, these guys were caught, and there were hawks officers involved in the scam. It, it was a big, big thing. Foreign guys with hawks officers. The hawk officers were arrested eventually. I was intimidated not to be a witness. I was a sole witness. If I had died, anything had happened to me. I would have, I would not have had the opportunity to go as far as I had. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. And but the point is, throughout the court process, the court process, I kept being asked, "But why were you there? You, you, you were willing. You did yes. this. You did, yeah. they didn't do this. You did this. Yeah. And it's true. You get caught up in this thing that you, you become part of it. You think you're part of it. You yeah. think you're working with people who trust you. We're working with you, but actually they have their own plan. No, absolutely. And what's powerful about that book says that this book about the con game, the confidence game. Yes. She says in there. They don't force you to give anything. They, they manipulate you to the point where actually you're willingly doing it, right? Yeah, yeah. And, 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 yeah. and so rightly we can be, um, people can ask tough questions of us of saying, well, you know, you willingly did this. No one forced you. Yeah. But wh why has nothing happened to people like Tom Moyani? And uh, I mean, why? I mean, he's sitting there. Do you think he's scared or, or he's okay? He's been assured that uh, everything is okay. I mean, we're, we're speculating now, sorry, which, which, right? I mean, I, I try and avoid, avoid speculation. My Well, so far, nothing has happened to him. Nothing has happened, no. Nothing has happened. And in fact, even the Zondo report um, says he should be prosecuted for perjury. That's right. it, right? The entire Zondo report, the entire Zondo Commission and Lujan Commission demonstrated, apparently, right, that Tom Mayani was central to the destruction of SARS. Right, right. All we can say is we should prosecute him for perjury. I find that peculiar. Um, right? This man should be you know, prosecuted for something you know, for, for, for treason, whatever it is to damage our democratic institutions. My, my best guess of why nothing's happened um, is that we're in this very tragic situation in South Africa where anyone who points one finger finds that the four fingers pointed back on them. Yeah. Right, because because state capture, by its definition, is this web of corruption. It's not a it's not a one on one transaction. Right, it's, right. You know, there's a web. This web is in, you know connected, and so everyone, in many ways, is implicated. Um, yeah. You know, yeah. I naively so talk about naive again, Sully. I mean, I naively believed that I was going to blow the whistle. I knew Bain would be an enemy, and other people are implicated. But I really believe that broader South Africa, broader business would yeah. stand right behind me and say, we will support this guy in his fight. <laughs> Nothing's been further from the truth. Right. You, became, you became untouchable. I, be, I became a leper. I became yeah. a disease. I became something to be rejected and abandoned. Right. Has Bain, I mean, is, are they still doing any work for any SOEs in South Africa at this stage? Bain's business in South Africa is booming. Um, booming, right? They're adding new partners to the business. Um, they, they've been hired, for example, at Sassel, where it's known that Sassel, with hundreds of millions of rands a year. So that's the question, Sully. Why is their business booming? I've given Bain massive free advertising in South Africa. Yeah. Because if you're an unscrupulous business, you actually love doing business with Bain, right? <laughs> It's the same reason people don't want to hire me and probably don't want to hire you, yeah, yeah. right? Um, Bain has said, we'll bend the rules to, to get your results, Mr. CEO, Mr. Board members. Right, right. That's very, very sad. It really is sad. I mean, um, I want to read a piece, something you wrote here towards the end of your book. Just allow me. You're saying, and this is really, it goes to the core of this discussion. While the primary actors in state capture are most visible, we should not forget the secondary actors, the many banks, accounting firms, law firms, management consulting firms, companies, and individuals who assisted the primary actors and therefore or they themselves benefited from, benefited from state capture. 
These secondary actors are state captors too. They participated in the attack on a society and benefited from the looting of our public institutions, resources that should have been directed to the public. And further down, you go on to say, we need to enter the era, the era of the brave, right? So you think the real enemy is our apathy, our willingness to look away when atrocities are being committed, but it's also fear, isn't it? Yeah, uh, no. so, so those things all go hand in hand. It's, I think it's this, the, the apathy and fear um, it, it are important things to investigate solely because, you know, my view is Bain is a problem, but not the problem. Right. The ANC is a problem, not the problem, right? right? I think the problem in South Africa is exactly what you've pointed out. It's, it's our apathy mm -hmm. to stand up. It's our willingness to look the other way, right? And I keep saying this, every time there was a corrupt transaction, right? Some CFO, some finance director, some audit committee member signed that off, right? Look the other way. These right. things just happen in the ether. Um, that there, there are chains and chains of ordinary people today still in their jobs who look the other way. Um, and, and I think that's at the heart of what enables state capture. So, I mean, it's almost like we're talking about a culture of doing things in South Africa. Maybe it's not limited. Many people will point out that it happens all over the world. But the yeah. thing is, it has crippled South Africa. People either look away, those like yourself who decide to stand up and speak out, or we say there are consequences. It's not costless, like you write in your book. Yeah. I know that. Yes. <laughs> and, 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 but there are other people who are not necessarily titled whistleblowers, uh, Arthur, who refuse to sign a document. So there are people who speak out, who go to yes. TVs and newspapers. There are other people who say, I'm not signing this thing, it's not right. And those also suffer quietly. They're not whistleblowers as, yeah. defined, as we understand the definition, but there are many people who stood in the path of wrong in South yeah. Africa, who have been fired and they're afraid to speak out because if you do, you end up not being, you get, you end up being blacklisted, you can't get a job. Yeah. How do we change the culture? I mean, it's how do we get South Africans to realize and you say it nicely in your book that each one of us has a role to play and we have to agree what kind of society do we want whether it's in south africa or globally so i think we need to be, be thoughtful about the role we play um i'm certainly not saying everyone should be a whistleblower in fact for me sadly I would yeah, just, let's, uh, let's, let's, let's go beyond whistle because not everybody has to whistle blow in order no, no. to stop wrong right that's exactly what i just said right okay. so i'm saying we've got to be thoughtful about the role we play we, we must play different roles. Right. I'm not saying everyone must be a whistleblower, right? Because I think there's different roles to play. In fact, I'm saying I would discourage people from standing up and speaking publicly in South Africa. And this is a big tragedy in our country, suddenly, because it's, it's, it's irresponsible for me to say, go, go and stand up publicly when I know that person's going to face harm, yeah, right? Yeah. So, so for me, this idea of the era of the brave, sadly, it's got to start top down, right? I think we need a president who's brave. And what I mean by brave, what I mean by courage is to face, to face danger, um, but still act for, for doing what is right, still act to do what was for the broader good, right? Because everyone along the chain is saying, I will lose if I do the right thing. Yeah. This is this apathy and fear. Now, we need some people to say, I'm quite happy to lose. Mm -hmm. I'm quite happy to suffer something sure. for the greater good. That's what we need. And hopefully and, and, others will learn from it. That but it's, it's exactly not, not the negative side, but the fact that somebody has to Nelson Mandela had to, and others had to be in jail for all those many years for us to get to where we got. I mean, it's not like it's everyone exactly, wants to have a picnic to to paradise. But it's exactly that, Sonny. You know, I'm I'm so moved by this. There's a photo, a famous photo of Desmond Tutu and James Carville and others standing in a line, and the yeah. policeman just you know half a meter away from them standing in a line, and right. there's a resilience in Tutu's face, right? For me, that's the courage we need to say, here I am, unarmed. There you are armed, but I'm here standing on the side of right. Mm -hmm. And but the important thing is, sorry, he's not standing alone, right? He's standing there with many other people. And right. all of them would get hurt if, if something was done, but they're willing to stand there. And, yeah. and so here's again, my third admission to naivety. Um, I thought I've got to be a man of, my, of, 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 of action. I'm not just going to say things. I'm going to actually do it. And so for years, I've been saying we need people to stand up. And so I thought, well, here's my chance to do it. I'll stand up and I'm pretty sure people will stand with me. Um, and 
And as we know, that hasn't happened. Maybe it's just a matter of time, I hope. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Look, B Bain, as you say, their business is booming in South Africa and people are forgetting, we forget, we move to, now we're on Palapala and we'll be on next, 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 you know, we forget what yeah. happened just a few years ago. People think Zuma is a victim, everybody must leave him alone. And, yeah. and all these people, these uh, people who have coalesced around Zuma, Mahashule, they now emerging as heroes of the people of South Africa, et cetera. Do you trust the South African justice system? I'm, okay, let me uh, let me answer this question first. In hindsight, do you think commissions of inquiry are the right way to go, or should we have rather a more criminal justice, uh, like prosecution, prosecution, invest, crime investigation, and prosecution prosecution system that is a lot more uh, well resourced and and willing and and and, and politically unencumbered? Yeah. I look. Commissions of inquiry are truth-seeking um, initiatives, right? Um, they're not geared up for, for, as you say, for prosecution. They're about gathering the truth. And so I think truth is a precursor to justice. We need to know what happened before we can you know, prosecute. I think the Zonda Commission or these types of commissions should be very brief. And, and you know, look, look at the Nugent Commission. It was three months. It didn't solve everything, but it got to the heart of it. Um, of the issues at SARS, and then we needed prosecutions. We needed the NPA to pick that up and do something with it. That's where it's fallen over, right? I mean, nothing's happened after the Nugent Commission, which ended in 2018. It's four years ago, nothing's happened since the Nugent Commission. That was a three-month commission. Right. Now we've got a four-year commission, and um, right, the question is what, what will happen? I, I prefer shorter commissions get to the heart of the key issues and then hand it over to prosecution because ultimately, sorry, that's what we need, right? Wait a minute. I mean, why why commission? Why not a criminal investigation that leads straight to prosecutions? I mean, I don't hear of America talking about commissions. That's why, and I read in your book, that Bain was more fearful of an extended Department of Justice, a yeah. U.S. Department of Justice investigation and possible criminal uh, prosecution than by South African commissions that are just going to embarrass them in the public and lead to nowhere. Why not just go straight, give the crime in the investigators, like the Scorpius we had in South Africa, the, the tools they need instead of yeah. going to commissions that waste money. I mean, come on. Yeah. I, I agree with you. So, 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 so we agree it's got to get to prosecution. The question is, do we need this thing called commission in front of it? And, and you saying no, I'm saying a short one, others say a longer one. But you were a short one with the Nugent, but it lessened. <laughs> Nothing's happened. No, you're right. You're right. Um, because the thing is also, we, we need to discuss systemic reasons as well, you know, yeah. obviously. Because if we have politicians, we know that in the ANC, even Ramaphosa has said it a number of times, the ANC comes first. Now, if yeah. you have a president, and we know that between the president of the party and the president, of the of the of the of the country in the current system, the president of the party is more powerful than the pre the president of the country is more symbolic. They're the ones yeah. who go to all these fancy tours all over the world. But but the party president, like Becky, learned the hard way, has to put the party's interest first. Otherwise, they're out. The MPs and South Africa have to put the uh, party's interest first, or they are out. So yeah. we, when you have that kind of situation, and the party president is the one who approves the commission or who informs the the the, the terms of, of reference for the commission, then it's going to to make give us the round around like it's like a soap opera. Yeah, look, I, I agree with that. I mean, I, I think, I think. You know, we have the Truth and Reconciliation Commission, which was valuable to make public because it was part of our healing, part of our knowledge. Right. I think some of what's happened at the Zonda Commission didn't need to be public because, firstly, it's so complex. It doesn't need for the public to really know the detail. We need to just get down to actual prosecutions. So I fully agree with that. Sorry. Um, I, I do want to just say the U.S. does have, they have lots of congressional hearings and Senate hearings about these things. But the key difference is it's always with a focus on prosecution. Um, yeah, but they, they're also all fairly independent. I mean, the, the, the justice system, there's no indication that uh, it reports to the president or to some powerful yeah. people in, yeah. in America, which is, yeah. do, do you trust, do you think Shamila Batohi is um, unwilling or I, unable? So I, I've got no information to make that, that assessment. Well, from um, what we see, I mean, well, what I, we so, see from, so, so we can we can talk about what, what she's done, right? Has she prosecuted yeah. anyone? Right? Is Bain even under investigation? I doubt it. Right? So as 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 the whistleblower and as a potential witness in the prosecution of Bain and the people are implicated, 
I have never been contacted by the NPA or the Hawks. I mean, so so that gives you an answer, right? Yeah, I think you are you are you are more of a diplomat than I am. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think so. Bain doesn't think so. Well, do you think that the day in court is still coming in South Africa? Do we think we need to change the, to strengthen the NPA, have a better leader who is more independent, not appointed by the African National Congress, in order for the for the for the principle of equality before the law to be seen as such? Well. There were two questions there. The one is, will the, will the day in court come? I don't think so. I don't think there's going to be accountability for the main major players in state capture. The corporates, the banks, the law firms, there will be no accountability because I don't think the NPA has the, has the ability to deal with that. Um, I also think that they, there's this web of, of, you know, of connectivity, right? Ramaphosa hired Bain, um, right? If, if, you know, Sibo Maseko, um, the people at, at African Union, the people at DBSA, PIC, IDC, all hired Bain. So, right. so if we're saying let's blow the lid, what Bain did, hold everyone accountable. There's a lot of people who you know, find their hands are suddenly you know dripping with blood, and it's very visible. So, I think what's happened, Sully, is that it's in no one's interest, you know, to 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 prosecute. Right. Um, this issue of the, of the independence of, of, of these commissions and prosecutions, absolutely. I mean, that's, you know, that's why Zuma, you know, disbanded the Scorpions, um, was to, yeah. one, disable, but also take away the, that independence. Do you think uh, a, a, a request for extra, uh, the gentleman, Vittorio Massoni, do you think he should be uh, extradited to return to South Africa for a, for, a, for a criminal case or to answer to some of these allegations or just like they're trying to do, apparently they're trying to do with the Guptas, but they're not doing it to, with Zuma, Zuma's yeah. son. <laughs> I mean, should they be making noise about him and others who left? I mean, all those pain people yeah. who decided to leave the country when it goes hard, began to get hard in there. Should, should just to show an example, yeah. brought uh back. I think I think absolutely. I think Victoria Massoni should be extradited and held accountable in South Africa. And, and as you say, along with his many, you know, his many colleagues, and, and you know, we have this debate in South Africa um, of, of should we hold the company accountable or the individuals? And I don't know why we struggle to to have two ideas in our minds at the same time. Of course, it must be both, right? We, we as a as a corporate entity, there's responsibility. Mm -hmm. um, and then as the individuals, there's responsibility. I mean, to hold them both accountable. Look, I work in the area of brand reputation management and I teach that at the e-business school here. So I think brands, uh, I believe brands are led, even a destination brand, like a South African brand is led by the president who's the, really the CEO of South Africa Inc. Yeah. If he can't speak from a moral high ground to South Africans, nobody's going to listen to him because everyone will say, yeah, but what about Palapala now? What about that? Yeah. What about Marikana? What about? So he can't, he has no lessons to teach anybody. So when yeah. you have it, and there are values, all brands, whether corporate brand, NGO brands, all of, all brands have values. Now you make a lot of reference in your book to the values of make pain, of yeah. pain and company rather. Uh, but everything they did, all along, at least in your, in your account, has nothing to do with the, the values that I can respect. Yeah. And the people like Masone, they are all part of that uh, brand, right? So they, they, brands like to say, but it's so-and-so who's responsible. But if the guys, the partners right at the top protect him, it means that they agree with what he did. Absolutely. And they spent so much money on that American legal firm to, to make sure they to, 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 to protect the cover-up. It means that the company is itself entirely uh, discredited. Absolutely. Sully, I, I mean, I agree with you 100%. I, and this is what I try to show in the book and in my testimony, the Zondo Commission, was that this wasn't an isolated lone rogue Right, Masoni has got a lot to answer for, but Masoni didn't act alone. Right. right, he was surrounded by other partners. You know, it's interesting that within weeks of the of the Nugent Commission, all the South African partners at Bain were, were taken out of the country by Bain. Every single one of them were, were taken out of the country, right, um, for yeah. their protection. So, but it wasn't Masoni alone. The chain went all the way up to the top, right. The global the global CEO knew what was going on. The global head of legal was involved. The global head of marketing was involved. And yeah. so Baincon claimed this was an isolated little lone road. But what's interesting, Sally, just your point on, on, on brand and reputation. Right. I, I, I think I think there are 
probably, and you'll know this better than me, there are two broad aspects of reputation, though. One is built around the character, around your values. Oh. But the other one is built around your capabilities, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. And, and I think sometimes those go intention. So why are companies in South Africa still hiring Bain? There's no doubt their character has been tainted. Yeah. But at some point, our wonderful, you know, um, leaders in our country, our business leaders, and even our public sector leaders are saying, ah, character, who needs, who values character? Mm-hmm. We want capability. And Bain yeah. are willing to do things for us at a discount now because they're in trouble. Well, um, you know, I have worked for a big brand in South Africa, which I still respect to this day because they they live their values really very largely. And I've seen very talented people being fired. And I would sit there and say, how are they going to replace this? They finally they got fired for acting against the values of the business. I've yeah. seen this business withdraw from countries where it was put under pressure to pay bribes because it said, these are not our values. We can't, we can't be calling ourselves a values-driven business and do these things that we are being forced to do. So, so yeah. when you work in a company, no matter how talented you are, if your values are, in not, are not in alignment with the, with the the values of the business, then the business has to throw it out. Nobody's indispensable. Nobody. Yeah, agreed. And so we can then go and we can then impute or infer about what Bain's values really are based on their behavior. Because right. I think, right. as you say, the values is not what they put on their website and in their glossy brochures. The values are about behavior. Vittorio Massone was the longest serving head of the office in Bain's history. Right. Right. Yeah. They, they kept him because they liked what he was doing. Mm. Um, and even when people around him, like myself, raised concerns about him, they still kept him because they liked what he was doing. He was living out their values. Um, yeah. And I think but, that's where we look for values. Yeah, I hope that you're wrong and I'm right in the sense that uh, there will, will be prosecutions. I hope that Bato, he will go, will have a change in government. It's probably not going to happen between 2024 because yeah. the whole system is rotten. The cancer is throughout the system. But we need to rebuild South Africa in a way that people, even people like yourself, myself, who've had to leave the country and many, many, many others, uh, I can feel the confidence. Because people who've left South Africa remain connected to South Africa, no yeah. matter what, who says no matter what. what I'm saying. And they want to see that countries thrive because they want to say to their neighbors, their new partners and friends, see, that's the country I come from. Yeah. But yeah. we're not giving them sufficient reason to say that. No, I, I absolutely agree. And, and sorry, it's, it's something you touched on, right? I think it's it's right for us as citizens to hold our government accountable, of course. And it's right for us to hold leaders um, across the spectrum accountable. But I think it's also important for us as individuals to say, now, what am I going to do? Um, no, and, and you know, the thing that concerns me in South Africa is our lack of compassion for each other. Um, right? Go, go, go down to the most vulnerable um, right, the way we t- treat children, um, the gender-based violence we see, the general violence we see, I see these are connected to state capture ultimately, sorry, because yeah. you know, stealing and state capture is a demonstration of disregard for the other, of, of, of saying, you know, um, you don't matter, I'm just going to take right. from me. And right. that, that attitude, I think, is a thread throughout our society. And, and that's why I think it's important, you know, you mentioned Read to Rise, the NGO I started a few years ago. All the books we discuss with children, and we've distributed almost a quarter of a million of these books now, is focused on these values of, of right. compassion, of connection, of being right. good citizens. Because that's what I, where I think we need to start investing in a major way to begin to address these issues. Now, towards the end of your book, you make reference to being disappointed in those people, especially close friends of yours in the business community in South Africa, that distance itself, those who distance themselves from you, you're disappointed in those people. Do you still feel that way? I, I, I do. And that for me, that continues to be sad. Um, it, it's. Do you still consider yourself their friends? <laughs> you know, I, I, I like this, this definition. The Chief Justice Zonda <laughs> gave us a definition of friendship. Do you recall that? <laughs> When, when you were saying, I think it was linked to Zuma. Zuma was saying he was Zonda's friend. And Zonda said, you know, I've never been to his house. I've never been to a funeral. I've never been to his birthday. Therefore, we're not friends. Right. Uh, and I kept thinking about that, saying, wow, okay, if that's the criteria, then, you know, do I have any friends? Um, um, I, the, the business people, the CEOs in South Africa who I know, and there are quite a few, know that almost weekly I reach out to them. Right. This has been part of my humiliation and it's been a humiliation. Right. Um, 
and, and these are all names you'd know because they're CEOs of listed companies. I write to them and saying, are you going to support me in what I'm doing and what I've done? I didn't just stand up once and say something. I'm continuing to campaign for justice in South Africa. The fact that Lord Peter Hayne can go to the House of Lords almost every week and say something about what's happening in South Africa is because I'm working with him. I'm, I'm keeping him updated. I'm writing speeches for him. I'm sending documents to him to, to campaign. This is, right. this is Oliver Tumbo type campaigning, right? I'm, I'm using my position out the country because I can't be in the country and saying, right. we need to keep these things um, visible. And I'm writing to the CEO saying, are you willing to support me? I've given up my income for three years. I'm living in a student dorm in a foreign country. Right. But I mean, that, that's not necessarily looking for friendship. We're looking, you're saying, look, I still have a role to play and you guys have a role to play, no doubt. Are you willing to work with me? That's a different thing to, do you want to be my friends, really? Well, I'm, I'm writing to them because they are my friends, not because they're yeah. CEOs. Okay. Um, so these are, are people- they, are they responding to your email? No, no. Okay. Now, I'm asking you this question. I want to read just another thing you wrote right, right towards the end, which worried me a little bit, I was saying, in, in, your, in your acknowledgement, you said, the good people at Bain need to hold their leaders accountable. That's fine. I remain proud of my career with Bain and I, and I underline this, I continue to consider myself a friend of the firm, even if it has decided otherwise. Why do you consider yourself the friend of this firm that has so much, brought so much help? Are you trying to say I'm leaving the door open in case you want to engage me in the future? Um, well, I, I, don't, I don't hold the view that because, you know, a father in a household committed a crime, their whole family are criminals. I don't hold that view. But those so, leaders are still running the, the, the brand. Absolutely, absolutely. No, they are. And, and the reason I said that, one, because I believe it, which, which you rightly can challenge. But secondly, I'm saying the, the good people at Bay need to realize what their leaders are doing in their name. And so they need to act and speak up to cut out that cancer from their company. But they can't. Um, many of the many of those people that you, the good people you're referring to are the small employees who need their salaries. Maybe yeah. some of them whose salaries don't reach the end of the month, the other month. So people like those are the ones who are the most weak. They'd rather be selling below the the, the the radar, not saying anything. I mean, in all company, even at SARS, there are people who were yeah. just doing their job. You know. And, sorry, uh, I don't. I, I'll avoid this easy dichotomy of them and us, right? Because yeah. yeah. now I must say, oh, I hate Bain. I hate all. Um, you know, 11,000 Bain employees, they're all bad. I, I don't, that's not how I see the world. Yeah, no, but the, um, the, the, the opposite of I'm your friend is not I hate you. I mean, you, you look, don't move from one extreme to the other. The opposite could be I don't have, I don't want to have anything to do with you anymore while you have not done right over there. I, I'm saying this organization has done something very wrong and despicable and continues to do it at the expense of South Africans, 60 million of us South Africans. Right. Um, when I say I'm a friend of the organization, doesn't mean I endorse what they've done. It's saying I'm willing to talk to you if you want to do the right thing, right, and repent yeah. and make amends. I'm willing to talk. Um, it doesn't mean I endorse what you've done. Okay. So let's talk about uh, business leadership, South Africa Mabuso, with Cecilia Mabuso. I got the impression, a few others did, that you went too personal on her. And, and, and my knowledge of her, uh, is that she she's also almost like you she's in there but she says all the things that need to be said few people in business are able to say the things that she said on her own but but she also plays with the wolves she eats with the wolves so i don't know to what extent she feels i can there's a line i can't cross she must do. but you you seem to be blaming her and going after her why i was a personal though i mean i she's the ceo of an organization that endorsed Bain. Do they end, so, endorse, what, I mean, there's a difference between, what does endorse mean? Well, you endorse in different ways, right? When I post a picture of myself and Solly on, on, you know, on Facebook, there's an element of endorsement. Um, it's a very weak endorsement. Um, okay. There's another endorsement is I have a club and my birthday parties and I invite Solly to those birthday parties and to my club. That's a strong okay. endorsement. I agree. I agree. Right? Yeah. And, and so, and so BLSA under Mohali, um, boom, 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 um, geez, under the, the previous head, right? Yeah, took a very strong, rightful stand, true to their principles, and suspended Bain, not expel them, right? Just suspend. Suspend is just a rap on the knuckles, not not expelling. Right. And then very and um, did this very noisily, 
And then very quietly, they let Bain back in, right? And I was the only person who noticed that, right? Did that happen while Mahali was there or after? After, after Mahali was there, okay. right? Okay. Yeah. So, so now your question is a strange question, actually, because you say, I went too personal on the person who leads the organization. I'm that saying that. the impression out there, I've discussed it with a number of people, is that you seemed to be going to be fighting the person and not the organization. I don't know the person. I mean, I I, I did not, I said nothing personal. You, I don't understand what it mean by, by a person because for me, it was this decision. All I ever talked about okay. was the decision that BLSA made mm. to readmit Bain and then to keep defending that decision. Okay. Right? Uh, this is an opportunity to clear, clarify this confusion in quotas where it does exist. I'm happy with your answer. I totally agree with you that okay. BLSA should not have admitted make, uh, Bain and Company back into the into their fold, given that given what we know and what yeah. they cannot pretend not to know. Yeah, I, I think what what was more scary for me, if we're talking about what's scary, was was Busima Vusa's statement that said, "Ethel, if I must suspend Bain because of involvement in corruption, then I must suspend all my members." Right, and 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 I think she was that was truthful, right? I think that was a very truthful but scary statement. Yeah, okay. So with that mean maybe she knows that all of her members might have risen to be suspended, but again, the BLSA is a is a membership organization. It relies on these people paying their dues. So if we have half of them no longer being if they're being placed in a position where they can't pay anymore, it means that uh, salaries at business leadership salaries cannot be paid, right? Yeah, well, that's it's fine for them to say they're private club members, but the point is they're making very public statements and taking very public roles. Um, I mean, that was the time when they were even appealing to Boris Johnson to drop the travel ban. They were acting and speaking as the moral voice for South Africa. Right. And if they want to be the moral voice for South Africa, which we'd welcome because we lack that, yeah. Then yeah. they've got to be moral actor as well, yeah. and that's I what think, I was challenging. Sorry, I think what we we understand, we many of us fail to understand in South Africa is the web of political control because the ANC has been smart, smart over thirty years. They place trusted comrades in positions in business and SOEs and all this, and these in boards of companies. And these are the people who rest, rise up and say, no, we can't do that. We can't because they, they report somewhere else. And many South Africans think this is, this is just independent voices. It's uh, not that way. Hey, it's my fourth naive admission. I mean, I thought at least the universities would be independent, right? I mean, I was a business ethics lecturer at UCT um, who for once, you know, wasn't sitting in my ivory tower. I came down to the ground and began to act on the ethics I was teaching yeah. and was and was told to leave and, and, and told to shut up, right? All the way to the top, to the vice chancellor and to the council and the chair of the council. I mean, the chair of the council, I raised concerns about UCT hiring McKinsey, right? At the time when McKinsey were deeply implicated in state capture. Right. They said, don't worry, Ethel, we'll conduct an investigation they conduct the investigation. Now, now I know all about investigations, right? But sorry, the investigation wasn't on my allegations or my concerns. It was on me. So they conducted an investigation on me, and the ombudsman submitted a report, which they still today refused to let me see, right? Yes, there's transparency um, to say this Apple guy, we should get rid of him. Yeah. Now, I have a suggestion for your next book, if we have time. Please. Because South Africa, the country of Inadvertent enablers. <laughs> <laughs> You're the brand guy, so that title might manage to work on, right? <laughs> well, well, the thing is, I mean, it really is painful when people don't realize that they are doing or not doing stuff that could help. I speak to a lot of people, as you can imagine, and I, I have people working in institutions. I've had people sending me stuff to say, sorry, this is what's going on. I don't, please don't mention me. And I respect that, of course. Yeah. Some of them are single mothers, you know, with, with the bond and children to school and all that. But they say, sorry, this is happening, but I don't want to be involved because I want to be in trouble. I, yeah. I, I respect people like that. I think they should keep doing it, find the right people to share yeah. that information with. But there are other people who say, I pretend not to know. Yeah. 
Then I people who, just like it happened to you pretty much, uh, I've had people who were told to, to remove me from their websites because if they do keep me on their websites, they're not going to get jobs. They're not going to get the tender. They're not going to get that renewal of the yeah. contract. And many would quietly just remove me. Others would yeah. say, hey, bro, this is what was being said to me. What can I do? <laughs> yeah. But, but, but then, you see, because so I agree with this discussion, but then we'd say, well, it's all a mess. Let's just, it's all a mess. Let's just give up. And I don't think it's all a mess and all this yeah. is good. I think yeah. it's again, where we most leverage, what's at the heart of it? And maybe you and I answer that question differently. But for me, it's about our individual courage we're going to take to say, not me, not in my watch, right? And, yeah. and you know, I've said to people, sorry, everyone says to me, Ethel, how can we help you? Let's get a, a, you know, a crowdfunding right. campaign. And I say, I don't need a crowdfunding campaign. Yeah. I need you to write to your politician or write to your CEO and say, why aren't we doing something about whistleblowers? They yeah. go, oh, uh, can't do that. I'll give 10 Rand rather, right? Yeah. And and because you, you raised this point right at the beginning about the systemic nature of, of the difficulties and the problems we face. Mm. Because when an injustice is structural, which is the case in South Africa, yeah. you also find most participants in the injustice are not bad people. They're just doing their job, right? Right. The, they don't, they they don't want to be in trouble. No, no, but it's exactly. But even, even those that is, they're moving this machine forward, they're making this machine work, and they themselves don't even know the role they're playing in the in the broader thing the machine's doing. Yeah. You know, it's like when you know I now go and ask for help or for support. Someone just says, I thought, you know, my board will never approve it. Right? They they are not bad people necessarily, Sunny, but they are part of the systemic nature. Yeah. How we can shut people down. Yeah, that's so painful. I mean, I think something systemic has to my view is that we don't just need to replace Soli with Arthur, Arthur with Maggie. What we need to do say to say is how do we restrict Soli's powers? How do we enable him to do what he must do in the job, yeah. but not to give him so much powers that he's going to to um, to 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 give cancer to the entire system? Yeah, as it exactly. Because we have seen that we've given, I mean, from my deputy chief justice, uh, um, the one who was whom was the the, the, the um, Seneke, the one that Zuma, you know, shoved it aside. He said, we trusted so much in the president Nelson Mandela that we gave so much powers in the, into the presidency. We didn't foresee a Zuma getting into that yeah. office. And that has not changed. We think that if you put somebody who speaks English well, who puts all the commas in the right places yeah. and who dances, who speaks well and, you know, is lovable, nothing is going to happen. We need to have a conversation about the electoral system. I'm, I'm, yes. sure, I'm happy that's happening. We, yeah. should, we need to have a conversation about what powers do you, do you give to the presidency? I live here in, in this country, in Switzerland, as you might know. There's no, you have, you're a president for 12 months here. You don't have any powers. There's a, there's a committee that elects within itself what they call federal council, Conseil Federal, that chooses, okay, I thought you were the president for the next 12 months, but you're still the minister of health, okay? Right. Uh, but you don't make, so your job is to, to, to represent the country when you go to the UN, when you go to all these fancy places, but you don't, uh, you don't have the power that goes to your head. And, and that's the thing we have in Africa. I think it's I mean, important, Not yeah. just in Africa, in France, in a place where the president is so powerful. Powerful, yeah. that that one one man or one woman alone is not good. It's not good to place too much power in the hands of any individual. I, I, I agree. I agree. It, it destabilizes the system and actually it removes agency from individuals, right? Because this is what I hear in those systems where you've got this powerful leader, everyone now looks to the leader to do things. Yeah. It's completely yeah. robbed of agency. And they're afraid. They're afraid to make decisions. Yeah. You know, I, I think something I'm also observing when you listen to the dialogue in South Africa, the debate, even the political debate, and, and what are we trying to achieve? And people talk about economic justice, and I think it's an important thing to pursue. My image of it, Sully, is that, you know, we've got this, this, this hill where all the rich live on top and all the, all the poor live at the bottom. And no one's trying to say, let's flatten the hill or let's raise the level up to the hill. What we're really fighting for is who gets to live on top of the hill. Yeah. Right? Yeah. And, yeah. and I think that's for me, is what's got to change. Um, you know, in, in, during the time of the roads must fall, I kept saying, you guys want to tear down a statue as a symbol of your oppression. The symbol of your oppression are the mansions in those, in those leafy suburbs. That's the yeah. symbol of your oppression, right? And why don't we tear down the mansions? Well, because we want to live in the mansions. Mm. Um, we don't want to tear down the mansions. We just want to, we want to be the ones in the mansions. Mm. Mm -hmm. And I think what we need in our country is this, 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 this rethink about, you know, this, this, the standard of living, which we take as the norm. But just um, a minute, you don't really want to tear down the mansions. You want to create opportunities and environment where others can build their own mansions. 
I, you'd want to think I would say that, um, right? I think there are some mansions need to be t- torn down. Um, I, I, I never profess destruction. I don't want things to be torn down and destroyed. But I think I think we need to. It's un, untenable to say let's get everyone to live in a mansion. It's a nice romantic idea, right? Our, our planet can't support that. Our resources don't support that. Um, the point is, we all can't be driving five-liter BMWs. Yeah, no, no, yeah, I think you misunderstood. I'm not saying we should create opportunities for everyone to build their own mansion. I'm saying we should create the opportunities for everyone to have an option to if they want. Oh, to. I, I we still have the conversations about whether it's the right thing to do or not. Well, right now, some people can do certain things. We can't do other things. But do you think this is on history? And you touched a bit on history. Do you think that um, say apartheid because that's immediate to colonialism and all that stuff. Apartheid history has created the mindset in South Africans, especially Black South Africans, in the on the whole, to to defend the indefensible. Because I still hear people say, but you know, leave these people alone. It's their time to eat, or, or look at what happened previously. This is where the real trouble lies. Yeah. Or people talk about the white, the the what do you call it, uh, the imperialists and uh, uh, white. What do you call it? Um, the white. You know, the domination of white, the white way to do things as well yeah. as the real problem facing South Africa. Yeah. Look, I mean, you know, many, many decades and centuries of, of colonialism and apartheid has has messed with our psyche. It's it's distorted how we see ourselves. I mean, this is the big, you know, sort of black consciousness project that, that's been you know, trying to get off the ground for, for many decades. Right. Um, I think most of us still see ourselves as imposters in, in you know in this in this new sort of world of freedom um we we we, we see white as better um and i i saw this with again in business in south africa you bring a white consultant with a foreign accent um right he knows better than your local black guy with his with his local accent right, right. this is just right. you know again just briefly on, on bain you know bain's office in south africa is the only one in the world where they've got foreigners who run the local office? The only oh. one in the world. In India, they are Indians. In China, they are Chinese. They you know. Find skills in South Africa. No, 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 not that at all. That's no, 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 no. It's they know in South Africa, black people buy from white people, right? They know in South Africa, if you get a white guy with a foreign accent to say something, he's they will believe it. Even, even, is, a, even a black guy with a foreign accent is more trusted than, than yeah. a black guy with a local accent. Yeah. So, so I agree with you, Sully. I mean, this idea of freedom of our minds, how we see ourselves, I think is a, is a massive issue here, right? Of, of, you know, if you look at, I have this debate, and I'm sure you have as well, of what does African leadership mean, right? What does African leadership mean? Today, I, nothing. No, absolutely, right? Nothing. It, can't, it can't just mean it's a, you took away a white leader and put a black leader there and said, now we've got African leadership, right? African leadership has to be something different. And right. the thing is, if we, when we all go to Oxford, as I've done, and all go to Harvard, um, where, where do we then learn African leadership? Yeah, but um, Africa can never go back to 200 years ago. We live in a world, we are part of this global ecosystem. We, if you allow me, shit has happened, like we say, you know, all over the world, and mainly not just more so in Africa. Look at what's happening in Ukraine now. But point yeah. is, we've gone through lots of pain, no doubt. Nobody yeah. can deny that. But we have to say, how then do we build? How do we look? use what we have, including the inherited stuff, including the inherited uh, architecture and infrastructure, the train yeah. system, a lot of stuff what we have in South Africa is not African by origin. Let's be real about it. Absolutely. How do we use this to build use this, to build from it and to become yeah. a really strong, powerful player in the global region, then destroy stuff because yeah. it was built by other people. It doesn't make sense to me. No, no I completely agree with that. I mean, I, I think it's about, about our vision we have for ourselves, um, right? And I think this is where our president has let us down again. Right. What is the vision? Um, right. Where, you know, where is it that we want to go, where we see ourselves going? Um, and I think this idea of taking our citizenship seriously, of saying, you know, did, did I fight for freedom or fight for democracy? Yes. But importantly, I, I fought to the extent I did um, to be a fully fledged South African citizen with full dignity. That's what I fought for, to be a citizen. But the responsibilities come with that, that idea of being a citizen. And so... That's what I, you know, am keen on, Sully, of us as individuals realizing our agency, right. our citizenship responsibility, 
and then collectively come together and saying, how do we, you know, how do we run this country, take it back, as opposed to you don't belong here, or you are racist, or you know, you're a foreigner, which, t- which tends to dominate our thinking as us and them. Yeah. If uh, the good people of South Africa were to come together and say, Mr. Williams, we want to make you president for five years, what would you do? Would, would, you, would you adopt some elements of benevolent dictatorship to just get things <laughs> right? <laughs> what do you do? <laughs> I, I'm Ethel. I support this message. Um, I'm now running for president. Um, no, I, I, I don't think, firstly, I don't think South Africa needs, you know, I'm not the right person for president. I've got wonderful ideas. Um, you know, I, okay. I, 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 if they made you the very close, the, the, I call them in my, in my, in my practice, the whisperer, the person yes. who's so close to the powerful guy, but the powerful guy must trust them, right? So yeah. you are in that position. So I, I, I don't think benevolent dictators will be need. I mean, I think benevolent dictators, the dream, right? Um, I just don't think they ever exist because uh, you know no no one with with unfettered power knows how to how to um, you know contain it and constrain it. Um, what 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 I think is I think we as South Africans are are passionate people. We are massively passionate. We we will get behind ideas and run with it. Yeah. And I think that's what we're lacking. We're lacking we're lacking knowing where this is going. We're lacking this idea of what brings us together. And so we lost. Um, and we're sort of running scattered, and, and that's why we're kind of just hacking at each other. Right. Um, I think if I could whisper to the president and have a president act upon it, I would say, how are we going to find ways of, of, of bringing us together? Not in, not in some bullshit way. You use that word, and I can use right. it. Um, <laughs> but it's saying, what is this country really about? Um, yeah. and, 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 and if we can tap into the idea of our passion, right? Let's go and build businesses. Let's go and get out there and, and you know, clean, this, clean the streets. I remember Desmond Tutu going into townships during the apartheid and saying, come on, we're going to change this country, but look at the dirt, the garbage lying around, right? right, right. Let's get back our pride, our, our individual, our national pride. But somebody somebody has to rise, right? Because we, yeah. we, we need somebody we, we can trust, not necessarily another Mandela or Busak in their times, and we need, but people who are, whom we believe mean well and they love us all. Right now we live in a, also in a country of racist narratives that are dividing yes. us. Yeah. Yeah, I, I, look, I, I don't discount at all the value of leadership in that respect, because we need we need someone or some people just to, to represent um, those values and capture it. Oh. And I think to bring everyone together in a way, um, right. I, mean, I you know, I, I say I'm committed to our country. I'm committed to public service. Um, in one of my previous books, I mentioned there that, you know, one of my dreams is to be president of South Africa. And right. I, in, our, in our political system, I can't see that ever happening. Yeah. But but the idea of being committed to public service, Solly, I mean, I, you know, if, if, if you say to me, Athol, we'll put resources behind you and bring some of your vision to life, mm-hmm. I'll be there. Okay. So, Athol, I mean, we're almost pretty much at the end of this discussion, but it's so hard to have everything I wanted to discuss with you. Yeah, okay. So, is there anything that I, that we're hoping that I would ask you that, that I haven't asked you? Such a such a great question. I, I've really enjoyed this discussion because it's been wide ranging and getting to core core issues. Um, Sully, I you know I, I'm an ethics scholar, so I mostly study and try and think about what doing the right thing entails. But I'm also my background's in strategy, and so it's interesting. I find these two things sometimes in tension. Um, how do I do the right thing, but still be effective? Um, how do I do the right thing, but still win the race? Mm. And often they're seen as intention because, you know, most of the time cheating is a good way to, to, to win the race or beating my opponent. Yeah. And, and so I'm thinking if I'm the president or for each of us as leaders, how do we deal with this idea of being effective and, and doing the right thing? And, and, it's a question I haven't fully answered, but it's a question I'd want to put to leaders in thinking about how do they deal with that? Because I think right now, if we focus only on the effectiveness, we are we are failing in this idea of, of doing the right thing and acting with integrity. Right. I'm not saying we should all sit around and just you know, hug each other and sing Kumbaya all the time and not be effective, right? But I think that's the, that's the challenge. And so that, that's one of the things I'm thinking about quite a bit of saying, how would I behave in those situations to be effective and ethical? 
Now, you see, I've been in trouble before for speaking out because I speak out. <laughs> and that's why I'm probably virtually unemployable because I say what I think needs to say to be said. I believe that we should all take responsibility for the things we say and we don't say, but also for the things that we don't say and don't do that we should have signed and said yes. and done. I yeah. believe that. Yeah. All right. Do you think people like you and me and others, and many others out there, should learn the art of looking the other way in order for the world to, to continue in a semblance of peace? <laughs> <laughs> well, so so if I distill your question, it's around well, you know, should I change the world or should the world change me? Yeah, right. Yeah, it, exactly. It's, it's that, right. I mean, it's yeah. interesting. I wrote recently this three-line poem, which says it's called "Whistleblower's Confession." It says, "Bless me, Father, for I have sinned. I have spoken truth." <laughs> right? And and what it says is, in this world where I live, telling the truth is a sin. Telling the truth yeah. is wrong. Yeah. I, I, I think I'd, I'd like to think you and I, Sully, will keep speaking this truth and, 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 and grinding against the society that says no comply. Mm. Because the fact is, we've got a compliance world. Yeah, you know? yeah. The person who sticks around, keeps his head down, keeps saying, yeah, boss, they're the ones who get promoted. They're the ones who move, right. move ahead, right? Correct, correct. Um, the one question maybe I would have hoped you'd ask me is, Ethel, what do you think of our cadre of, of, of black CEOs in the country? Right. Because okay. so let me answer that question, because okay. I think the country wasn't captured by politicians, Sully. Right. The politicians were there. They were running the country not very well. Mm. South Africa was captured by the private sector. Right. Um, the Guptas are business people. Right. right? They, they, they hung out with, you know, PwC and Ernst & Young and KPMG and all private sector. So the private sector captured South Africa. And this is why that issues with BLS's approach, because they represent the very people who captured our country. So what do I think of them? I think they're cowards. Um, the, the, the business leaders in South Africa, BUSA, BLSA, and all the CEOs, JSE, are cowards. Because in my mind, they're the types of people who became the chiefs during apartheid and, 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 and colonialism, right? We were oppressed by the chiefs, not by the colonials. They, they, right. they, they took people from among us and let right. them oppress us. Um, it's like the Atlantic slave trade. Right, the Atlantic ship, the, the, the slave ships only went to the coast of Africa. Right, the, the people went to fetch the slaves in the villages were Africans. Sure, yeah. And so my challenge to South African black business leaders today is saying, are you really acting in the interest of Africa, or mm -hmm. are you just merely being, you know, a, a slave trade intermediary or a new chief? Yeah, but uh, I mean, you seem to be almost saying. Uh, you believe in the concept of corrupted and corruptees, and I don't believe that, or corrupted. I don't believe that. I think that where, where you have human beings, you need to have, I always say, you need to have traffic lights. When it's red in front of you, you stop. When it's green, you can go. When it's yellow, and you can still fire off, prepare to stop. We need rules. You can't have a society of human beings where you don't have rules and regulations, and you need to, to keep checking that. Barack Obama, soon after he got elected president of the USA, he spoke to the Ghanaian parliament, you know, he joined this, sitting there. And one of the things he said to them was, Africa needs strong institutions, not strong men. Now, in South Africa, we had institutions, but we put the wrong people at yes. the head of those yes. institutions. Yes. So we still now, we need to go back to, to say to ourselves, how did state capture happen? What are the things in the systems, in the way, you know, the things, the delegation of authority and all of that, how do they, what are those things that enable this thing to happen? How do we change them? Yeah, so I agree 100%, Sally, we need strong institutions and the right people to, to hold positions in those institutions. I think what undermines even the strongest institution is, is the moral decay in a society, Yeah. right? Because the, 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 the traffic light example you use, right? What happens in South Africa right now? Everyone sees a red light and we go. Yeah. And why do we go? Because everyone else goes, yeah. right? Everyone and so, so, it's, so yes, we need a strong institution, we need the right people in those institutions. We need the, the, the enforcement to ensure yeah. people are following those institutions. But yeah. you can't enforce your morality. Mm -hmm. um, we fundamentally need people to say, I take responsibility for my actions. Yeah. yeah. But anyone can go rogue. You still need to, to the system to stop them. You know, if, if it, a train driver here decides he wants to kill people and he starts driving at a particular state, the train will stop him. The system will say, no, yeah. dude, you're not allowed to go this far. Yeah. Stop. Yeah. yeah, but you know, 
Arthur, it's been awesome. As you can see, we're supposed to, to stop about eight minutes ago. We keep going <laughs> and we can go on. Maybe there'll be another uh, discussion up in the future, but I really appreciated you. And please do not stop being engaged. South Africa needs you. It might be in five years and 10 years time, you're still a young dude. You have a role to play, and you don't have to be physically in South Africa to contribute to the yeah. growth of that country. Actually, we need South Africa needs many ambassadors who are committed, who want to say to other people who work with them, guys, we can still make this thing. This is the contribution I can make. They yeah. can't stop us. We don't have no, to be there to continue playing. No, that's exactly. Sorry, I really appreciate this sort of in-depth um, wrestling with ideas, the insightful discussion. It's rare, so I really appreciate that. And, and this platform of, 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 of worldview, I think, is powerful. So thank you for doing that. Thank you. And I just want to say to our leaders, our listeners out there, or viewers, if you're still here, you obviously love the conversation. We rely on you to share it further, to tell other people about it. And if you want to support Worldview, which is a really privately owned uh, initiative, please write to us at worldview.help at gmail.com. We appreciate you sharing us going into our platform, uh, social media platforms and just telling the world about Worldview. Come and join us again in the future. Athol, thank you very much. My brother, thank you very much. Yeah, and of course, this is me, Sully. Oh, this is you back. <laughs> <laughs> okay, bye-bye. Keep going, stay strong. Okay, thank you. You too.